And that's what the lesson is about today. Jesus tells us, be prepared. He says, I'm going to come back. When he was on earth here the first time, you know, getting ready for Christmas, right? And Christmas is all about when Jesus was born. And he grew up, and he had a ministry here on earth for three years, and then he died, he rose again on, you know what day? Easter? Yes. That's why we celebrate so many people about Easter. And he was back on earth for several weeks, letting people know, see, I really am alive. You can touch me. I'll sit and eat a meal with you. I want you to know, I really did come back from the grave. That shows how powerful I am. I am God. And now I have to go to heaven, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. See, Jesus has to be preparing too. And he says, and I will come back. And all those who believe me, who follow me, who read my word and live by it, I'm going to take you back to heaven. And they're going, that's awesome. We love being with you. When do we go? And Jesus' answer was, I don't know. <laughs> He's the son of God. He says, I don't know. But he said, only the Father knows. Only God the Father knows when it's going to be time for the earth to be all cleaned up from all the troubles we have here and all the mess we've made of it and everything will be created new we get to live in heaven with God which doesn't get better than that but we don't know when and that's why he says we have to be prepared now how can we be prepared for that we know how to prepare for Christmas right we put a breeze in Christmas trees and we bake decorate cookies and we go shopping for gifts and we write Christmas cards and we plan for a big feast and oh, there's a lot of presents under the tree. How do we prepare for when Jesus comes again? What he tells us is by reading his word and by being, we all say here at the church, being in communion with the Lord. All that means is we try to be what he does. And the only way we can do that And to pray to him, to talk with God. Now, I don't know about you, but when I walk my dog down the country lane here, that's my best time to talk with God. Because she doesn't want to visit, she wants to sniff everything. So I talk to God. And I can tell him things that are bugging me. Oh, I sure would like him to change this and fix that. And I can then ask him, also forgive me for being so selfish that I want it all done my way. And by the way, Mount Wood looks gorgeous today. Thank you for that view. Oh, and these leaves are just gorgeous this time of year. Thank you. That's something God didn't have to give us. That's just a freak. All those extra blessings he gave us, that's how we stay in communion with him, is by talking to him, thanking him, telling our troubles, asking him to forgive us when we're wrong. Telling him, I'm sorry, I did it again. I'm sorry, I forgot. That's how we're in communion with him. That's how we prepare for the coming. So we know who he is. Otherwise, we won't recognize him when he comes. People that don't ever come to church and don't ever read the Bible, they're not even going to recognize Jesus. They're going to miss him. And that's it. Dear Jesus, we thank you so much that you give us the very words from God's mouth, from God's mind, for us to be able to read and study that you tell us you're always listening for us to come and 
do not need to quit our jobs in order to devote ourselves 24-7 to praying. Instead, we're called to faithfulness in our callings as a witness to the kingdom. Simply, we're called to live our faith. Some live in fear and apprehension of the Lord's return. Some religious leaders use the Lord's return as a threat. They tell their parishioners to live in fear of the Lord's almighty return. Because it'll be a fierce and fearful thing to behold. Well, not according to Scripture. All the circumstances of the world will be a mess. The ways of the world will be a threat to Christ's followers, for the world neither likes nor tolerates believers. And this will intensify. Times will be hard for a believer. Yet rather than a threat, the second coming of the Messiah should be an event that we believers anticipate with joy. We should live in mental comfort knowing that he will return. One commentator equated the promise of Christ's return to telling a desperately lonely person, I cannot tell you when, but I can assure you that you're going to meet someone very special one day. You will be married, you will have children, and you will be very happy. Now knowing that will not erase the loneliness that will continue until that happens. But it will prevent the loneliness from having the last word. And if the lonely person believes your prophecy, despair will never take over. Instead, hope will remain. And vigilance will continue. Because Mr. or Miss Wright is out there. Maybe today will be the day that I meet him or her. I will, therefore, get out of bed. Keep my eyes open. Be the best person I can be and wait and watch with hope. Verse 31 tells us, And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to another. This is Jesus' promise to his followers, his chosen Everything else that is said must be heard in the light of this promise. We may be temporarily set back by the miscarriage, the lost job, the heart attack, the death of a loved one, the volcano eruption, the earthquake or wildfire, the cancer diagnosis. Any one of these may threaten any semblance of order we thought we had for ourselves. We know life is precarious and unpredictable. Perhaps we do not take a risk on a dream for fear of failure. Perhaps we shield ourselves from possible disappointments in life or relationships by never opening ourselves to others. Perhaps we numb ourselves to the pain of others so that we don't have to take any responsibility. We need to ask ourselves, what would life look like if we truly lived it, not in fear of uncertainty,
light of Jesus' promise to his followers that he will always be with them and that he will come to take them home. You see, whether or not your immediate fears are realized, you were created for more than fear. Because Jesus, the Son of Man and the Son of God, has promised to come always to be with you and for you. This promise does not insulate you from an uncertain future, but it does promise that you <coughs> will not face that future alone. Come hell or high water, Jesus will be at your side, granting you courage in the face of life's adversities, and remaining with you even through death, drawing you into a new life. This past week, as I tried to orchestrate a family Thanksgiving dinner 24 hours after my father's death, someone commended my strength in that moment. My reply was that it's only possible because of the presence and the promise of Jesus. You see, the deeper the loss, the deeper the healing presence of the one who came and will come again. I promise you that because God has promised that. He has promised me and you more than this life. We will have peace beyond trials, healing after tragedy, strength enough for any situation the world may dump on us, and heaven after it all. There will be an end to pain and sorrow, loneliness and grief, fear and trepidation, trials and persecution. And in the end, we will have joy and triumph. And most of all, our Lord and Savior will have us. However, we must be prepared. And part of that preparation is continually preparing ourselves spiritually. We must live in the Lord. We must spend time with our Lord. And since we continue to sin, we must repeatedly give ourselves back to our Lord. And according to today's Gospel text, we must not become weighed down with apathy. There is so much despair out there these days, and it's so easy to get caught up in it. As I say that out loud, it brings me back to the academy, as I would sit there in my office, having one young man after another coming in and dumping some of the most outrageous crap from this world in my lap telling horror stories that you cannot even imagine of things that had been done to them. And then wearing the state badge, I had to be so careful what I said back that I couldn't offer them the only real words of hope, the ones we're looking at today, trying to find a way to sneak that in beyond that state badge. Because how else do you give a person hope if they can't hear these words? We must 
give ourselves back to the Lord. So much despair out there these days. We're weighed down with car payments and house payments, weighed down with schedules and deadlines, weighed down with alcoholism and addictions. And when we become weighed down with apathy, we can ignore that 89% of school-aged children in the U.S. do not have their original mother and father living in their home. We can ignore that the average person in our country watches 10,000 murders a year on television. That 90% of all sexual relationships for young people is outside the marriage covenant. That in a survey of 300 men, these men spend only an average of seven and a half minutes per week with their sons. Wonder why we're in a mess? Like in the days of Noah, people are focused on eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, and they know nothing about what is happening. The thief in the night is here. He's robbing people of good marriages, robbing children and grandchildren of good values, robbing us of caring enough to be proactive. Wake up. Do not fall asleep on me, Jesus said. We must remain awake and alert, for the King is coming. As we light the Advent candles each week, let them be a reminder to us that we do not face the darkness alone, but that indeed the light of the world has come, shining in the darkness to illumine our lives and lead us forth, not in fear, but in courage and even in joy. Let us pray. Lord God, you've called your servants to ventures of which we cannot see the ending, by paths untrodden, through perils unknown. Give us faith to go out with good courage, not knowing where we go, but only that your hand is leading us and your love is supporting us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.